Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we discuss what China can tell us about the shape of the economic recovery that we should expect elsewhere, and what our external fund managers are doing about it. With Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, Mike Haslam, Head of Funds Distribution, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to Word on the Street. This time, I'm speaking to Mike about what he's finding out from our external fund managers, as well as hearing from Will on his latest thinking on what the shape of the recovery looks like from here, which is obviously topical ahead of Sunday's planned announcement from the government on the path ahead for the UK. Really good to have Mike and Will here to help us out. So, Will, let's let's start with you. What's the latest that you're hearing? Uh, yeah, Nikki, it, it continues to be pretty busy in market land, as I'm sure you're seeing. Um, you're seeing really, truly terrible uh, economic data. But um, you are seeing the world kind of move through what some people are describing as kind of peak lockdown, at least for this um, outbreak. So there is a sense that we're now experiencing the worst uh, in terms of the economic effects of containment. Um, And many are now expecting some parts of the economy to start bouncing back. The data won't describe that rebound for a while. But, you know, economic data, uh, as we always say, can really only provide you with, uh, uh, you know, photos of the past. Yeah, and I know you guys have been obviously keeping a close eye on on the experience across Asia as a bit of a guide as to what might be coming our way, say, with you know delay of a, a month or so. What does China's experience tell us about the nature of the recovery that we can perhaps expect from here? Yeah, it's important. And, and I think, um, you know... <laughs> One thing to point out to start with is just these comparisons need kind of heavy qualification. China is a very different type of economy to the UK and indeed the US and indeed most of the rest of the world, to be honest, the developed world anyway. Uh, and it is managed and organised very differently. Um, again, so it's cast iron inferences is not imp- not appropriate. But in China, you started seeing um, some of the restraints on movement relaxed um, towards the end of February. Uh, and quite quickly, you saw returning activity in the industrial sector. Uh, you can see why, in a sense, kind of all of backlogs, you know, your order books built up uh, during the lockdown. Uh, and in many sectors within this space, within the industrial space in China, uh, the Chinese government has significant control. So they can basically just say, uh, go back to work without being countermanded. Also, of course, social distancing is a little easier uh, to manage in the modern factory. However, lingering risk aversion amongst Chinese households, uh, alongside continuing restraints on certain types of activities has meant sort of sluggish, patchier recovery uh, in consumer demand so far. The other problem, of course, here is that no no economy is an an island, and this will be particularly important to the UK, I guess. Uh, So you are seeing the Chinese rebound dampened by the plunge in demand uh, that the rest of the world is now experiencing slightly later uh, than China. Yeah. And and Mike, obviously, you're spending a lot of your time speaking to the sort of cream of the crop of external fund managers that we have on our panel. What are they saying at the moment? I mean, I heard you talking uh, to our relationship teams um, about sort of five broad categories of companies at the moment. Yes, it's been a really active time at the moment for our um, fund managers. And the the volatility that you're seeing in share prices is really about the market trying to trying to trying to price in um, 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 a whole series of unknowns so how long this lockdown will run for uh, what the phased return will look like which sectors or markets would potentially unlock first and when that will be um, and of course how fit these companies will be having been down in lock 
having been in lockdown for the last few weeks, couple of months. And that's kind of what is driving the share prices. And that's what the active managers are trying to um, um, work out. So yes, when, when we're looking at the companies, I'm finding that the managers are placing the companies, uh, uh, UK companies, really into five buckets. So first of all, you've got these, number one, you've got these structural winners. So these are the companies that are getting stronger and stronger. And when we, when we come out of lockdown, uh, there's a feeling that, that this kind of um, these the, this kind of structural change will will continue. So think about what you've been doing through the lockdown. Probably buying more stuff on the internet, and that will probably become more of a habit, and that that will probably stay stay with us. Second bucket um, are those companies that will rebound quickly um, uh, when the lockdown ends. And a lot of these have already uh, rebounded very quickly, anticipating um, 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 the end of the lockdown or even companies that have come back um, um, to market very quickly. Number three are those, th those sectors that are really out of favor. Half of you could think, actually, there's no future for these markets. Half of you are thinking, actually, if these could, if these markets and companies bounce back, it, it could be very quickly and pretty, pretty big. Then you've got um, number four, those companies that have already done well in lockdown, kind of defensives, um, not really sure what sort of future there is for that in terms of um, any more growth. And then finally, you've got uh, the worst case scenario, those companies that uh, could potentially go bankrupt. So as a fund manager, you want to hold all the number ones, keep buying the number twos, find out your number threes and kind of sell down and avoid the number fours and fives. Yeah. And you mentioned structural winners. I mean, we all love a winner, don't we? Um, but, but have you got any examples you can share of, of those structural winners that perhaps, um, you know, the fund managers are looking at? Yeah, sure. Um, a good example, so obviously not a recommendation to buy or sell, but a good example is online fashion retailer Boohoo. Uh, for those that don't know Boohoo, uh, price kind of below my age target market. Thanks, Will. In my experience with three teenage daughters, um, they're priced according to the amount of fabric that's involved. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about it. That's right. So uh, Boohoo have uh, brands such as Pretty Little Thing, etc. Now, the shares are up a bit year to date. But it's all about how strong these co companies are coming out of the lockdown. And it's that rebound from the lows that we've seen kind of starting to get priced in. So if you go back to March, the CEO of Next um, came out with a statement, a line, and he said, um, nobody buys a staying at home outfit, which is true. You know, um, nobody's really wearing suits at home anymore. But then in April, we discovered that actually we do because a staying at home outfit is no longer a suit. It's a pair of joggers. It's a smart top for video conferences. There's the phrase dressing from the waist up now for meetings on Zoom. And online Boohoo, and online Boohoo is where you go to buy those because you can't go to the high street. Shares in Boohoo are up over 100% over the last few weeks. Um, and when we come out of here, it's kind of these structural winners. Will we then be returning to the to the high street in you know in such numbers or, or have we got into habit into um, 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 using using companies like Boohoo will, will, will Boohoo actually accelerate the uh, the uh, demise of the high street maybe yeah very very interesting thoughts there and will obviously um, you know we're, we're all about trying to trying to make predictions in this world um, and and you rightly um, are always cautioning about about being too too confident in those predictions but but how can we tell which of the changes that, that as, as Mike just said, changes to the way we go about our lives, um, reacting to the environment we find ourselves in? 
Um, how, how can we determine which are likely to be the most durable of those changes? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, Nikki. And, I, you know, with great difficulty, and I think, you know, Mike alluded to a couple of trends which are really interesting in consumption in particular. And if you look at what we've seen in the UK and the US so far, and, and a little bit in China as well, and many other developed, you know, many other the economies affected by this, you know, you can make some fairly obvious points. So three broad things you can identify. So one, consumers stocked up uh, in various what tend to be called kind of fast moving consumables ahead of this crisis. So loo roll and all that kind of stashing that we saw. The second point is that by necessity, they shifted spending from stores to online. And this is part of Mike's point uh, on Boohoo. And the third point is that online spending seems to have become a proxy for entertainment spending for the moment. Now, if you look at one and three, um, so, you know, the stocking up and the, you know, the substitution for entertainment spending, they're probably reasonably temporary. Um, because, I mean, if you look at number one, uh, you know, the stocking up, we actually found that supermarket supply chains held up pretty well in amongst all of this. And one of all the things that need reorganization, food supply chains can't be top of the list. That may change, of course. But on two, that point that Mike was making, you can argue that you've supercharged uh, a move that was already in motion, the move for greater proportion of economic activity to migrate online. Now, this has implications for a huge range um, of sectors, not just those directly affected, uh, uh, like Boohoo, as Mike uh, Mike alluded to, but you know, questions like is the demand for office and retail space going to be, uh, you know, permanently hit? Uh, the problem, I'm afraid, and I'm going to be wishy washy about it, but it, it's simply too early to um, to tell. But fascinating to hear about, um, and and it's fascinating to hear about from Mike. I think particularly about you know the kind of arms race to get ahead uh, by our um, uh, get ahead of all of this and find the right uh, the answer by all of our fund managers it's another reminder that this stock picking game is best done best left to the professionals uh, it's very easy to become the market mop uh, if you don't have the latest information and, and have the ability to really concentrate uh, on a on a small group of companies and and coming back to you mike i mean on that your your second category was about those companies that that we have seen starting to emerge or likely to emerge from the lockdown first. What kind of sectors do you think are involved here? Are you hearing from the fund managers are involved here? I guess they're probably the parts of the market that perhaps have have moved, have bounced back the most in the last month or so. Is that the case? Um, primarily, yeah. So um, look around you. What, what have you got? We've got B&Q have reopened all the stores. Um, I don't know about you, but where I live, all the restaurants here are now doing takeaway service. So all these kind of stuff, kind of phased reopenings, um, and this is what's getting priced into the share prices. Um, so if you look at Greg's, for example, Greg's and Baker's, they are trying to reopen. They announced reopening about 20 outlets up in the Newcastle area a couple of weeks ago. Share price went up. They then had to postpone the openings. Share price back down again. That's what's, that's what's kind, of, kind of happening. So who's next? Uh, well, so probably the last example we had, so I guess house builders, so Barrett, Taylor Wimpy, etc. they've all restarted construction work. Have a look at the share price. They're all up 50% in just two weeks. Phenomenal. That's it all being priced in. But it's not just the, the house builders, it's the associated businesses. Um, there's, a, the, there's a really interesting company called Ashted. It's a UK company that rents out industrial equipment, things like cement mixers, generators, etc. So when construction um, opens for business, these um, um, construction equipment companies open for business. So their share prices, you know, have done done phenomenally well. So who's next? Uh, well, this is what our fund managers are trying to work out. Um, here's another example. Bear with me here. Trainline. 
Okay, so this is the online train ticketing company, a great company. I use them all the time. But when's the last time you use them? For me, it was weeks ago, probably two, maybe three months ago. When will you next use them? For me, I don't know. It seems like it's going to be a long, long time away before we next start using trains like we used to. Or is it? That's what we thought about house building a few weeks ago. And now the entire construction industry is open for business. Shares in train line are down about uh, 50% year to date. They were down about 70%. So they've started to, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of um, bounce back. So it's all about the end of this lockdown. And this is what our active manager is trying to do is look at who's next. So we're seeing these names as kind of maybe these are the next ones. Interesting. Can I make a semi-related, sorry, can I just make a semi-related, quite boring economics point really quickly, just because, just <laughs> listen to this, it's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really interesting to me anyway, that because there's some speculation that, you know, you could see huge changes to how, you know, listening to Mike talk about this sort of reminded me that you could see huge changes to how conventional economics actually kind of views human nature. So one of the core assumptions that, you know, us boring economists make, you know, centers on human beings kind of being reliably, reliably self-interested. Now, you could argue that the dramatic changes forced on many people's day to day will actually change the way we think about work-life balance, maybe forever. Uh, and maybe we will think less about maximizing our incomes and more about uh, spending time with your family. The problem, I guess, and this is the counterpoint, is that I can make an equally plausible case uh, for exactly the opposite that people will want to spend less time with their families. But just really to illustrate that, you know, you really could see kind of wide reaching changes as a result of this. And we're just going to have to watch, you know, very carefully which behaviours stay because it will have you know, far reaching consequences for all of the companies and investments that, um, you know, that Mike is talking about. Sorry. To yeah. And well, and you mentioned their behaviour, right? But 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 they are they are the sort of experts that that we will all be turning to, and and no doubt we'll we'll ask Rob back on the podcast very soon, um, because reacting to um, to to the environment is is going to be a um, you know almost like a real time thing. Um, and just Mike, going back to your your categories, because we'd love to to just um, uh, unpick a little bit more on 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 those. So you mentioned the ones that are say, um, unloved for a number of reasons. Um, so category three and category five, the, the companies that, that might be deemed to be most at risk of perhaps going bust. What are you hearing from the fund managers around those two types of, of uh, sectors or, or stocks? Where, where do the biggest opportunities sit? Is it, is it here? Yes, absolutely. It's here. It, it's putting your, your team, your team of analysts together and carrying out the work to understand whether all these companies that are potentially, you know, pricing in near 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 bankruptcy um, actually will return, um, and okay, there aren't there aren't um, not all companies are pricing in that that bad, but but if I look at some of the industries that are you know that haven't rebounded anywhere near as much, a uh, couple of examples here. Bear with me. Um, first one, cruise liners. Now, is there a more unloved industry at the moment? Every single cruise ship in the world is in port. Not a single cruise ship in the world is currently at sea. That's a phenomenal statistics. Shares in Carnival Cruises are down about 80%, 80% at the moment, um, year to date. They've bounced back a tiny little bit, but still that, you know, for them, for the shares to get back to where they were at the beginning of January, they have got to go up between 300 and 400%. So shares are obviously pricing in something um, pretty bad. Uh, but for that to happen, the cruise line industry needs to get back to where it was uh, pre 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 um, 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 COVID nineteen, 
Does that sound improbable? Maybe. But then I read a report uh, about two weeks ago saying that bookings for cruise ships in 2021 are up 40% this time that um, uh, this year than they were this time last year. And it's, and it's things like that that gives you, um, um, yeah, exactly, gives you, gives you a few thoughts. Again, this comes back to the whole why active management. If you've got a big team of analysts that you're paying for, then blimey, they're there just hunt, you know, head down doing the work, looking for these companies. Because when these come back, these are the ones that come back phenomenally strong. Whereas at the moment, you're thinking, they've got no chance. It's a great point, Mike. And, and, and I think also, you know, the other thing that springs to when I hear you talk about that, you know, the size of the moves that some individual share prices kind of exhibit over this period, diversification. Um, the, the wimp in me just says, like, I, I, I want that, those exposures, um, but muted a little bit, um, or the performance, the volatility of them muted by holdings in lots of other uh, different kind of companies. But having that active manager scour the world for them is just a great advantage. And finally, Mike, what about those sectors that have obviously to date benefited from this crisis? Um, so thinking, for example, food retailers, uh, are institutional investors interested in in these parts of the market at the moment? Of course, uh, food retailers is a really good example. Um, Tesco's, for example, share price held up well throughout the whole panic buying or pantry loading, a new phrase, as the US call it. Um, I le- a new phrase I learned this week. Uh, but there have been there have been increased costs associated. So it hasn't been a profitable um, 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 time for the likes of supermarkets. What else are kind of defensive health pharmaceutical companies have done well? Uh, there, are, there are other companies like Netflix. Shares are up 30% year to date from Netflix. People in lockdown signing up and binging on Tiger King and whatever else they, uh, takes their fancy. But will they all cancel, the, cancel their subscription at the end of lockdown? Maybe that's the risk. So these 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 have held up well. I mean, I've taken out Disney Plus. I've watched all the Star Wars. Um, I've not yet told my daughter, but but it is going to be cancelled um, the day after she goes back to school. You need to watch Tiger so, King, mate. You need to watch Tiger King. <laughs> it's disturbing, Will. I'm sorry. Um, so all in all, yeah, it comes back to what Will was just saying: diversification. It's having some of those sort of defensive parts which have done well and can could continue to do well, depending on how long you know. Because the biggest unknown is how long the lockdown will last in the UK, but also putting the work in to trying to find some of those, some of those um, um, nuggets, some of those number threes, the ones that are being um, uh, uh, you know, priced for uh, too much bad news potentially. Mike, that's, that's super helpful. So, so Will, just coming back to you here, um, we're hearing an increasing chorus of voices suggesting that perhaps this rally has gone a bit too far and, and it's reflecting too much optimism about what's likely to be, you know, frankly, a very challenging recovery for the world economy. Um, you guys reduced exposure to stocks in our portfolios in, in recent days and, and, and the last week or so. Are you a bit less positive now on equity returns than you were, say, a month ago? Yeah, I mean, I, there is a big debate um, and people using various letters of the alphabet. So U, V or L is the sort of, you know, the three options um, that best describe the economic outlook from here. Um, and obviously, the three describe very different uh, experiences. You know, everyone wants a V, um, but suspects a U, but doesn't want an L, if that makes any sense whatsoever, mm. an L being a depression. Now, our point really is that the worst case outcomes, um, the kind of the L-shaped recovery, looked um, or look a lot less likely than they did a month or so ago. And, you know, we've said this a lot. You know, part of this is the gigantic response from policymakers. Um, and so is the sort of, you know, the, the good news on some of the sort of potential treatments as well as you know evidence of success and containment um, of containment in flattening curves 
but also, you know, the experience of Lombardy, the Lombardy region um, was all that we had to go on in the developed world uh, at one stage. Now, some of the darker forecasts for the rest of the world's experience of this outbreak looked a lot more plausible uh, under that light. Now, so far, you found that Lombardy's, uh, you know, really unfortunate experience has been more the exception than the rule in terms of the experience of the other um, uh, 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 other countries. Now, in this context, stock, mar- stock markets have rallied strongly, but not without cause in our estimation. That's really important. Uh, and actually sentiment indicators, investment sentiment indicators, uh, are not consistent with any kind of euphoria amongst investors or investor giddiness. Uh, not yet, anyway. Makes sense. Thanks, Will. So we're recording this on uh, Thursday afternoon before the much anticipated and, and a really special bank holiday Um, But we're going to be back next week, um, I believe, with Sophie Traherne, our our government relations expert, um, and I think with you as well, Will, just to chew over what we hear from the government on on Sunday, the anticipated announcement about the UK's plans for how we might um, start to unwind elements of the containment measures. So um, that's that's something to tune in for next time. Uh, So thanks very much, Mike and Will, and thanks to you, our listeners, for, for tuning in. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.